This is Lon Taylor, the Rambling Boy, broadcasting live from Marfa Public Radio Studios in downtown Marfa. I used to live in the 19th century. In the 1970s, I was the director of Windale, a historic site in Central Texas that had been given to the University of Texas by the Houston philanthropist, Miss Ima Hogg. Wyndale was near Round Top, a Texas German town of 70 people, all of whom spoke German, and most of whom were still doing things the way they had been done a hundred years before I moved there. Ronnie Klump was our groundskeeper at Wyndale, a cheerful, red-faced man in his late 20s with a blonde haircut. He was a dedicated squirrel and coon hunter, and one of his greatest pleasures was spending the night in the woods with his dog. He was the ultimate country boy. The morning that we met, he said to me, Mr. Taylor, I will do anything you ask me to do except go to Houston. Please don't ask me to go to Houston. I just can't do that. I asked, why is that, honey? And he said, if I know I have to go to Houston, I start thinking about the traffic and I just can't sleep the whole night before. I said I would do my best to keep him away from Houston. And we left it at that. A few weeks later, Miss Hogg called and asked me to bring the Wyndale van down to Houston to pick up a wardrobe and bring it back to Wyndale. The wardrobe was at Bayou Bend, her former River Oaks home, which she had given to the Houston Museum of Fine Arts to house her collection of American furniture and decorative arts. She told me to bring someone with me to help load the wardrobe. I called Ronnie and said, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you're going to have to go to Houston with me tomorrow. But don't worry, I added before he could object. I'll do all the driving, and all you have to do is enjoy the scenery. And when we get there, pick up one end of a wardrobe and help me put it in the van. Ronnie agreed to go, but he did not sound happy, nor did he look happy when I picked him up the next morning. We wound down through the country to Sealy on back roads that he was familiar with. But as soon as we turned on to Interstate 10 and picked up the morning Houston rush hour traffic, I saw the tension start to grow in his face. And it continued to grow as I navigated through traffic to Loop 610 and around the loop to Memorial Drive and finally into the cool, tree-shaded, uncluttered streets of River Oaks. Houston's most exclusive neighborhood. Only then did Ronnie relax. He looked out the window 
had the manicured green lawns and the oak trees whose branches were festooned with Spanish moss and had squirrels playing in them. And he said, well, if a man had to live in Houston, this would be the place to live. I said, Ronnie, you've got pretty good taste. These houses sell for about a million dollars each. I think you would be happy here. Oh, it's not that at all, Ronnie replied. A man could shoot himself some squirrels here. Then there were the Marburger sisters, Edna and Erna, twins who kept the flower beds cleaned at Winedale. They were women in their 60s who came to work in ankle-length cotton print dresses and homemade sunbonnets and chopped weeds with hoes, just as they had done in cotton fields when they were girls. Erno was married to a man named Otto Zise, who she always referred to as Mr. Zise, and Edna was single. They all lived together with an unburied Marburger brother, Alton, in a log house in the Cummins Creek bottom. The sisters came to work in a 1936 Dodge sedan, the kind of car whose hood opened in two flaps, one on each side of the engine. Erna was the only one of the four who knew how to drive. There was a story about them arriving at church in that car one cold winter Sunday morning. Erna was behind the wheel, and Mr. Zise and Alton were sitting bolt upright in the back seat, while Edna was lying on the left front fender with the left hood flap open, one hand in the engine holding the choke open and one gripping the edge of the fender. She looked like a dead deer on that fender, whoever was telling the story would say. The Marburger sisters proved to be invaluable sources about the old ways of doing things. When we started demonstrating fireplace cooking by baking cornbread in a Dutch oven, they knew how to do that because their parents had been too poor to have a stove and they had cooked in a fireplace when they were children. When we topped the half acre of 19th century shoe pig corn that we had planted, it was the Marburger sisters who showed us how to cut the corn stalks, how to use one leaf to tie the stalks into a sheaf, and how to stack the sheaves so that they would dry properly to be used for fodder. But they declined to participate in the topping, saying that it was the worst job on a farm and they hated it as children and were not about to start doing it again now. Texas Germans were very slow to change their ways of doing anything and cotton farming had been carried on around Round Top in the 1930s pretty much as it had been in the 1850s. There were plenty of people around who knew how to plow with mules, and some even with oxen, and a few 
who would argue that it was easier to plow with animals than with tractors, which did not become common in the area until after World War II. There was a local joke, usually told in German, about two German farmers who were sitting in a bar in Round Top. Well, I'm going to have to get a new pickup truck, one said. What kind are you going to get, the other asked. Well, I think I'll get a Studebaker. A Studebaker, his friend said. Why, you old fool, they haven't made Studebakers in years. Well, they made a damn fine wagon, was the injured response. Studebaker stopped building wagons in 1919. You've been listening to Lon Taylor, the rambling boy. I'll be back next Friday at 11 with another story about Texas. In the meantime, remember that you can read the rambling boy in the Big Ben Sentinel every Thursday. This program is made possible by a generous grant from the Summerlee Foundation's program in Texas history. <laughs>